Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. StravaCraft coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups in your Keurig, uh, or you can get it whole bean, or you can get it ground. And no matter what kind of StravaCraft coffee you're going to get, you can get it sent directly to your door. No need to worry about making a trip to the grocery store right now. When you can just have your Strava Craft coffee delivered straight to your door, it's rich, it's tasty, it's CBD infused, and you can get 20% off that delivery directly to your door when you use the code DNVR20. So make sure you hit up Strava Craft coffee today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver, wow, they are doing some great stuff. And right now has to be the best possible time you could ever go back to get that degree. And MSU Denver can get you set up with tons of different programs out there, rigorous classes to get you through this quickly, affordable top eye professors who bring the real world into the classroom. It's really perfect for right now. Uh, so make sure you check out MSU Denver and make sure that when you're thinking of this stuff, you remember that, you know, MSU Denver uh, supported DNVR at a time where we could really use it. So hit up msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. All right. We are happy to have Mace back on the podcast. And of course, Zach is here as well. Mace, how are you doing this morning? I'm all right. It's a beautiful morning here. Sun is out. It's going to be a good day to uh, take my dog for a walk in a little bit because right now he's giving me the stink eye and we've only just begun this podcast. <laughs> Uh-oh. Zach, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Guys, what do you think about the Los Angeles Chargers uniforms? Wow, Zach bringing up uniforms. I know, I wow. know. Wow, that's how good they are. I mean, really, the, I'm not a fan of monochromatic looks, as y'all know. I don't like the all navy look, but I I'm fine with the royal blue on royal blue alternate and the primary uniforms. Man, I hate saying this about a Broncos division rival. It they're straight fire. <laughs> they yeah, are there's... tremendous. This is that that ba- the base uniform combos of royal blue and white jerseys with either the white or yellow pants. And I love bringing the numbers back to the helmets like they had back in the 60s and early 70s. A great nod to the past. Man, that is a beautiful uniform. I think we're overrating them a little bit. Now, they're good. Let me just say that. They are good. But I see people out here saying, like, well, guess I'm going to have to become a Chargers fan now. It's like, all right, calm, calm down. Um, they're good. 
<laughs> they're solid. They, uh, I really don't like the dark, dark blue look. I think that one was a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big miss. I, yeah. I agree with you there. It, because you know what? I, there's a lot of things I hate about that uniform, RK. But I think what I hate most is they did the lightning bolt in just the outline with a yellow outline. And they had the, the bolt in blue on, uh, on blue pants. So nothing jumps out. It's just kind of a dull uniform. I feel like that was the one that they, they went away from the template on that. And they shouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, how many – I thought you were only allowed to have one alternate. How many uniforms are you allowed to have? Yeah, well, that's a great point. I think – no, you're allowed to have one alternate, and you're allowed to have one color rush. Mm. So you basically – so I think what they've done is that even though the color rush program is technically discontinued, they're still allowing teams to do it. And that's why the Broncos, they have their primary orange, they have their white on white, and then they have – the alternate blue and then they have the color rush look so that's where that fits in uh for for them but yeah that that one was that's that's kind of a miss there's one subtle thing that i do like but it's interesting in, in that of course they have the one white helmet shell but if you notice when it comes to the lightning bolts and numbers they have to redo those for both the for both the color rush and the alternate because with royal blue it's royal blue trim with a yellow bolt and royal blue numbers. And then for Navy, same thing. It's Navy numbers and Navy blue trim. So the equipment managers are going to have a lot of work in front of them. But yeah, they, so- did, they, they knocked it out of the park. It, it is as good as everyone's saying, Ryan. And even the one that you're hating on, it is still really good. No, they, no, they, no, did, no. they did the perfect job with all of their uniforms of, taking their old identity and taking kind of the the historic look that people loved about them and and just touching them up modernizing them and that that's kind of the perfect thing that that, that's kind of what we talked with the broncos uniforms is is taking some of the good concepts of the old and kind of just making them fresh man i think the chargers knocked it out of the park just like everyone's saying except for ryan well you don't get to you don't get to uh to say you hate on uniforms, and then all of a sudden you like one and you get to have an opinion. Yeah, I do. I just did. <laughs> I think he uh, hates me... on us making a big deal about it. But there's one, the one thing that I do like, and it's just something for the Broncos to consider and all teams to consider going forward. The Chargers did something that I think it's sort of under the radar, but it's part of where design is going. And you remember how – on their uniforms, they had the lightning bolt that was surrounded kind of by the white stripe on like yes. the blue. And then on the white uniform was surrounded by the, the kind of the blue stripe and over the last years. Well, they got rid of that. And because of, and just by doing that and taking that off the shoulders, they've made the entire look much more sleek yep. and time and, and timeless. And they got something pretty obtrusive off of it. And, and I think that's as the Broncos go forward, that's why whenever they do make a change, get rid of the side panels because they're so obtrusive. They're not sleek. Okay. Um, let me just go left to right here. The blue on the blue jersey white pants, that's a nine out of ten. The mm-hmm. blue jersey yellow pants, that's a seven out of ten. The the white jersey yellow pants, that's also a seven out of ten. The white jersey white pants, that's an eight out of ten. The the uh half dark blue i don't know what even royal call. blue a royal blue that is a six out of ten and the dark blue is a two out of ten 
Oh man, I think the the Royal Blue is a ten out of ten. I think they knocked it out of the park. And in fact, I actually like I like the yellow pants more than I like the white pants. Now that's not to say I don't like the white pants because that's kind of a classic. But I love the yellow pants. Love them. Looks too much like Pitt to me, but that maybe that's just me. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, we've I'd already love to Pittsburgh. see the Royal Blue with the yellow pants. Mm, uh, yeah. And that anyways, would t- anyways. that would be very close to the look that they had back in the Dan Fouts years. Anyways, if you're mad about the fact that the first ten minutes of the podcast <laughs> has been about uniforms, blame Zach and Zach alone. Uh, okay, we got to speak to John Elway yesterday and for his pre-draft press conference, the first Zoom press conference we've had. Now I'm kind of bummed that we don't get to see the gallery like some of the other teams are doing. I think it's kind of cool when you see, you know, Teddy Bridgewater in the middle of a of a gallery of. Uh, Panthers media members but that aside we got to speak to John and it was a you know not exactly groundbreaking but not useless and I think it's important to find the little pieces that you can take away from that so uh, Zach I'll start with you what was your main takeaway from John Elway's pre-draft press conference main takeaway oh boy I well I'm gonna go a little different route the Broncos are willing to trade up guys they're also willing to trade back and oh. they're also willing to stay put um, uh, that's I very mean, John Fox-esque yeah consider yeah all of it or you consider none of it yeah and I think that rubbed off on John Elway during Foxy's time in Denver because uh John pretty much says that every time uh, but a- another thing is that uh uh, the positions of need really do match what we've been saying. I mean, guys, everyone knows this is a deep wide receiver class. But yesterday, the interesting thing was John said that this is a deep offensive tackle class. He said it's one of the stronger positions. It has good depth. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't like the guys at the top of the group. But it could easily mean that the Broncos are fine sitting back and not taking an offensive tackle in the first round and really focus their efforts on wide receiver. Yeah, but the question there becomes how deep does it go and when does that depth start falling off the board? Because we don't know if these mock drafts are going to be right, obviously, but you're starting to see some mocks that even have as many as six or seven offensive tackles going off the board in round one, the possibility of Ezra Cleveland from Boise State being a round one guy. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh Jones out of Houston certainly, I think, is going to be in the back half of round one. So when does uh, Austin Jackson from USC is someone who's getting a little more buzz right now. So when does that depth start falling? And at, which, at what point do the Broncos pounce? And also, in terms of offensive tackle, what are they looking for? Are they, are they looking for somebody who can step in and start right away, or are they content with mining that depth if you're getting, say, into round three, round four, and waiting a year for that tackle to develop, at which point you are talking about some uh, some different types of tackles. You are talking about, say, Yasir Durant from Mizzou or Matt Parrott from uh, out of Connecticut. Long pause. Long pause. Oh, yeah, I think RK froze. <laughs> Very long pause. I, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll jump in. My biggest takeaway, not just from John Elway talking, 
but my biggest takeaway the last 24 hours is what we talked about on yesterday's pod. It just feels like the Broncos have plan A. And that plan is to move up and draft Jerry Judy. Move up somewhere in the top 10 and pick Jerry Judy. And after talking to John, I just feel even more confident in that. But I do feel like there is a price. And just like John typically has, a price that he's not willing to co-pass. And that may be, instead of trading up, the Broncos actually trade back in the first round because Jerry Judy isn't there at 10 or the Cardinals are asking too much at eight uh, for that trade up. But I just feel more and more and more confident that that is John Elway's plan A. I would be absolutely thrilled if that's the case. Uh, I'm starting to, I don't know, I go back and forth on this stuff. I'm starting to a little bit worry about smoke screens here. It seems like it's a little bit too out there that the Broncos might want to trade up for a wide receiver. You know, when it was just Woody, I liked it. Then when you had Ian Rappaport coming in and saying it, now I'm starting to worry, okay, are the Broncos playing a little bit of a game here with the Oakland Raiders? Because they might have intel that they think the Raiders want a receiver and might have their eyes on a very specific one. So if they can convince the Raiders that they're going to trade up to eight or 10 to get a wide receiver, well, then they might have the Raiders thinking they need to trade up and maybe the Broncos think they're, you know, going to trick the Raiders into trading up for Henry Ruggs and they don't like Henry Ruggs or whatever it is. I'm a little bit worried now that that might be part of the plan here is to, uh, is to fool the Raiders. It could be, it, it very well could be. And, and that's my biggest concern with all of this is that, uh, there's so much out there. It seems just, it seems a little too obvious, but also that could just be how much the Broncos love Jerry Judy or love one of these top receivers. It's also been thrown out there that, uh, if Jerry Judy's not there, that the Broncos would draft CD lamb because they like him so much. Uh, it could just be that the Broncos are so infatuated with these receivers. And even yesterday, John Elway said, we need a receiver. That's not something that he typically does. Now, I think that's very obvious, but I think that's telling right there that he's willing to go that far out of his way to say it. And uh, we knew that, but now, I mean, they have to draft a receiver with one of their first two picks, right? Yeah, I think what's interesting is also maybe you, you give the indication that you're considering a trade up, but maybe you've decided, okay, we really like four guys here and we're happy with any of them and if one of them is there at 15 even though they all have different skill sets we will take that guy we will adapt how we're going to use our receivers we're going to make this work so maybe this is a case of a team that isn't going to suicide for one guy that actually has four or maybe even five wide receivers that they feel comfortable adding and putting into the starting lineup right away and then they can sit back. They can indicate they might move up. They can indicate they might move down. But they can wait and see how the board falls and, fig- and figure out, okay, we've got these guys in this order, but we're happy with any of them. Is it worth trading up for one, spe- for one of these specific guys? Or do we sit back at 15 and just kind of play, play our cards right and uh, let other teams think that we're going to move up? So there's, there, there's definitely there, – definitely could be some deception going on here well in the midst of all of this John Elway also said yesterday 
that he believes that the draft is going to be more predictable, kind of contrary to what we talked about last week. He thinks it's going to be more predictable because there's going to be fewer trades Yet the Broncos have been in, in, in uh, rumored to have so many trade talks already. And that's all we've heard the past week is how the Broncos are looking at moving up, moving back. And John Elway says, I think there's going to be fewer trades, which is just interesting. I mean, there, there's him trying to throw a curveball too. Yeah, you know, the, if you start trying to connect the dots between everything he said, you're going your, to turn yourself into a pretzel. Uh, trying to figure out what exactly the Broncos are doing. You know, it, the the key here is to not try to connect the dots and just take every piece of information that he said kind of in a vacuum. Well, he thinks that there's going to be less trades. Does that mean that he thinks there he might be able to get up for a little bit less value? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if less teams are looking to trade and they're just, you know, starting to get used to just staying at home, well – then maybe there's not as much demand to get up to 10 with the Browns and John Elway can jump up, jump up there. Um, he mentioned that there's a lot of depth at wide receiver, but does that mean that um, they can wait or does it mean that they're going to double down? You know, so there's lots of, uh, lots of different ways you can take this. If you start trying to string it together into a narrative, you're going to have a bad time because obviously, you know, they're not going to try and uh, reveal their hand here, but, I I have started to fall in love with the idea of trading up for a wide receiver. Um, it doesn't exactly go go uh, to the plan of everything I've always said, but if you are able to get Jerry Judy, to me, it's just – you just do it. You just put your chips on the table, take your elite player, your number one wide receiver, all of a sudden your 1,000-yard receiver on the other side becomes your number two. You've got your young quarterback, and you're ready to roll. And to me, it's just like – Forget about anything else. You get Jerry Judy, you are ready to compete for the playoffs, in my opinion. Well, here's the thing with Jerry Judy and what I talked with someone yesterday. It doesn't make sense to trade up for a wide receiver in this draft. It really doesn't make sense. But if you think Jerry Judy can be incredible, I mean, a pro bowler, his second year in the league, if not competing for that, his rookie season, and the potential to be an all-pro, then it does make sense. Then you do it. But he needs to be incredible in order for that to work out because you know what? There's going to be Pro Bowl receivers likely sitting there at 15. You just have to choose the right one. But if you think that Jerry Judy can be this guaranteed Pro Bowler, then you do it, and it makes sense, especially having 10 draft picks. Heck, in this year's draft class, there's going to be Pro Bowlers in round two and quite likely round three as well. I mean, and obviously there, the variance is going to increase as you get into those rounds, but you're going to be able to find talent. And one question the Broncos may be weighing is saying, okay, what's better? The one guy, if we have to move up for him, or sitting at 15 and getting one receiver, but then with one of those three third round picks, using one of those on a receiver who's there at that point and then you're not focused so much on skill set as you are are just on okay who's the best guy is it is Devin Duvernay on the board is Antonio Gandy Golden on the board has some as where did LaVisca fall and how far uh, did he fall then you're at that point you're maybe taking the leap of faith 
to use John Elway's term on uh, on injured players in in LaVisca in round three, and you're saying, okay, we'd rather have two guys than just the one. So Mace, if you let let's say um, you do trade up, and it's a third and a fifth, would you do that to move to ten? It's what it's what the Cardinals did a couple years ago to jump up to ten to get Josh Rosen. Yeah, and if you're looking at uh, draft value, I actually spelled this out a little bit in um in the article on thednvr.com that you could pull off a relatively balanced deal in which you send the 77th pick and your fourth rounder 118 to Cleveland and get the 10 and then you get uh, you get pick 187 overall as a return to kind of uh, balance out the point value a little bit. That's okay. So, so if you, you want again, if you if you've decided, okay, we have to have one guy, then that's that's the move you make. But if there are multiple guys that you like, I think you stand pat at fifteen and watch to see how it falls. Either way, I think the ten spot is the most interesting here because you're not really talking about teams looking heavily at receivers until you get to number nine, Jacksonville, and even in their situation. They may be seeing how the defensive players fall, or they may simply go C.J. Henderson at corner. Well, wait, really quick, Mace, though. it's I don't think it's if you trade up, that's your one guy, and you're done. You talked about getting a receiver in the third round. You'll still have two third-round picks. And but you have, I'm other not saying, things you, you have other things you need well, to take well, care well, of, though. You've got to get tackle. you got to get tackle. You're looking at linebacker. Round, you're looking at, third you're round. Looking at corner. You're right, looking, and, and also, and also, are you comfortable with Patrick Morris and Austin Schlotman as your as your center competition right now? Because if not, you got to find someone else there. I don't think the I I don't think even if the Broncos keep that third round pick and don't move up, I don't think the Broncos can fill all of their needs and, and all of their holes. They John Elway's done a really good job in filling a ton of holes. This team had tons of holes and needs. And it's, I mean, no team is going to feel comfortable with every single position. So I don't think even if you keep that third round pick, you're going to be able to fill two, two wide receiver spots, a, a center, uh, an offensive tackle, a cornerback. I don't think you're going to be able to fill right. all of those. Well, with, and with that's quality. my point. That's why I say you, you were making the decision whether you want one ro- one wide receiver who maybe is, the, is your top guy, or do you want to get one of your top guys plus another receiver back into day two, maybe even with that uh, fourth round pick in day three. And that's the choice I think the Broncos have to weigh here. I just don't think if they, even if they only have two third round picks, that taking a receiver in the third round is off the table. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think once, if you were able to get a receiver and a tackle with your first two picks, I think you're freed up to do whatever the heck you want for the rest of the draft. Um, Yes. Do you, could you explore going center if there's a guy there you like? Of course. Could you explore going cornerback in the third round despite the rules? Yes, you could. But to me, this, this draft is all about your first two picks. If you're able to, to hit those top two needs at your first two picks and get two guys that you like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a free reign from there on out. If, if you ask me, whatever player you like at that, at that spot, go ahead and take them. Um, one more thing that John Elway said yesterday that I thought, and he's talked about this a little bit before, but he really opened up on this. And I thought it was nice to hear him thinking this way. And that was just his, uh, openness on finding high character players. One, he admitted that some of their misses have been character question guys. Um, 
no need to get into specifics on who that may or may not have been, but you know, it's true. And then the, the other thing he said was that when times get tough, you really see how important the locker room is. And I think that's something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is look, you know, a guy like Akib Tlaib is great when you're winning, you know, he's amazing. He, he's a fan favorite. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. He's a locker. He's loved in the locker room, but when times get tough, Keep to leave wasn't great around there. You know, he had, he had a sour mood on. And, and to be honest, while Chris Harris was always a guy who was forthright with the media, the more the losses piled up, the more he got sour in the locker room, just, you know, his mood, which is just, it's understandable, but it was something that happened. And so I think John Elway, you know, was right to say that, look, when things get tough, you really have to have guys in your room that are, going to keep the ship steered in the right direction well the template works we've seen that the last couple of years mostly team captains mostly guys who either exhausted their college eligibility or gra- or graduated so i think not with every pick because noah fant was an exception but when you get especially when you get beyond one beyond round one those are the guys you're considering. And if there's a tie on all, on all other counts and you look and say, okay, well, this tackle was a captain, this tackle wasn't, you're probably taking the guy that was the cap, the captain. If you're talking about picking an offensive tackle, say in round three. And that's what John shown the the past couple of drafts said two years ago, it was pretty much captain or bust. I mean, you had to be a captain and a leader last year. Uh, he eased off of that a little bit, but that still was a big part of the decision-making more so than in any year before 2018. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's just, uh, it makes it, it, it takes out the bust potential a little bit, you know, like, even if you get a guy who doesn't live up to what you're hoping he lives up to, you're going to get a guy who doesn't have a negative impact on the way things are going in there. And the truth is even a guy like Paxton Lynch, who wasn't a bad guy by any means, but he didn't have those qualities that they've been seeking out in these last few drafts. And there was animosity in the locker room towards a guy who's getting paid a lot of money, who got drafted very high, who was supposed to be the franchise quarterback of this team and just simply wasn't putting the work in. So to to make sure you aren't bringing guys like that in, even if they aren't bad dudes, you're getting guys who are captains, you know they're going to lead. And even if their talent doesn't work out, you know, you could point to maybe a guy like Josie Jewell. He's and you couldn't have had too, too high expectations for him, but he probably hasn't lived up to what the Broncos had hoped when they selected him, but he's still a positive influence in that locker room. Well, here we go. Here, here's a perfect example. Carlos Henderson and Deshaun Hamilton. Neither are studs uh, on the football field that we've seen yet. Uh, one with great character. Well, he's hanging around. Deshaun Hamilton's hanging around. He had a big impact. Uh, at the end of both seasons last year, good locker room guy. Carlos Henderson, I don't believe he's in the league anymore uh, and never had an He's impact. in our league. <laughs> yeah, he's in a league. He's in the CFL. <laughs> there, yeah, but never had an impact on the game field. And Carlos was drafted even higher than Deshaun. 
Yeah. yeah and uh, I, I think that's a great comparison to, to look at those two guys and the, the, the players that are team captains, the players that have a good character, these are the ones that if their career doesn't turn out to be everything they dreamed of, because every guy walks into a locker room as a rookie and has the big dreams that I'm going to be the star because almost all of them have been the stars or the best players on their football teams throughout their, their entire football lives. Then you get to the NFL and you're surrounded by, by players who all were kind of those elevated guys, the guys who've been told their entire life they've been great. So how do you handle being in a scenario for the first time as a football player where relative to the others that you're around on the team, you're not great. Maybe you are, ju- you, you are just a guy. And that's where the character really comes into play and, kind of, and being able to deal with the adversity to almost kind of adjust your expectations and make the best of what your role is. These are the ones that end up, uh, these are the guys that end up, even if they're backups or fringe starters, guys who are coming in starting three or four games a year, these are guys who end up lasting eight, nine, ten years in the league because they can handle not being the number one, the number one guy, not being the top dog. All right. Well, plenty more draft to talk about this week. Obviously, we'll be interested to see how what John Elway said yesterday lines up with what he actually does on Thursday. And we are so, so excited to bring you our draft coverage on Thursday. This is going to be, in my opinion, the best Broncos-centric live draft coverage that the world has ever seen. Uh, You know, we are putting all hands on deck here. And like I tweeted this morning, this isn't going to be, you know, a run-of-the-mill live stream that's essentially just a podcast uh, with a video element where you just see us talking. No, this is going to have graphics. It's going to have highlights. It's going to have clips from the press conferences with the players, with John Elway as they go through the draft. This is going to be something that uh, we've never done, and I don't know if anyone has ever done anything quite like what we're attempting to do here for the draft. So we're so, so excited to have you guys tuning in with us that day. I'm sure the the lounge will be uh, kind of the official chat there, but you'll also be able to chime in on the stream, whether you're watching on Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitch, you can comment. We'll see it on there. We'll read some of the most relevant comments. We'll probably have a comment time uh, throughout the hours as we go there where we revisit some of the best comments. So this is going to be really, really special. And if you want to have the official drink of DNVR Draft Day Live, well, it's got to be the RK special. Half Strawberry Sky, half Hop Peak. It's to this day, still undefeated. Everyone I know who's tried it, unless someone tried it and didn't tell me, which is fine. But everyone I know who's tweeted at me that they tried it have said it's great. So make sure you get a six-pack of Hot Peak, six-pack of Strawberry Sky. There you go. Start cracking them, splitting them half and half, and enjoy you some Breck Brews as we bring you some awesome Broncos draft coverage. And if you can't head out to Breckenridge Brewery to pick up your beer, make sure to check out Davidson's in Centennial or Highlands Ranch or both. These guys are locally owned and have everything you could ever want from the 15 can sampler Breck Brew Pack to every single Breck Brew you could imagine to any hard liquor, wine. They've got it all. And guys, make sure to download their app, join their loyalty program, and 
You get all the information that you would get on the sales floor at the palm of your hand. Guys, they're doing curbside pickup and delivery right now. So you don't want to leave. Well, that's perfect because they will bring any alcohol that you may need straight to your door. So check them out. Download their app. That's Davidson's. All right, let's jump into the questions from the subscribers and the members here. And the first one here comes in from Iceman. He says, hey, friends, geez, Louise, you only trade up for a franchise quarterback if you don't have one. The Broncos do in Andrew. Why would you trade up in a year bursting with wide receiver talent? Silly. I'm curious why you men think Johnny Boy will break his tradition and take a Bama player. Go America. Okay. Let me answer that for you, Iceman. First of all, you're kind of right there, but you just, at least based on my rules, you just missed one thing. You only trade up in the first round for a quarterback if you don't have a quarterback. Once you have a quarterback, you're free to do what you please to try and improve yourself. And, you know, the goal once you have your quarterback is to win a Super Bowl. So personally, I think that Jerry Judy improves your chances of winning a Super Bowl with Drew Locke by a long shot. And well, really quick, Ryan, along those lines, my personal rule is you don't trade up and trade a first round pick to, for, unless you have your quarterback. Once you have it, it, and even if you don't have your quarterback or you're in this kind of, we want one more year to see like Mace is with, with Drew, you can trade a third and a fifth to move up. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I and completely you, agree. And you may be able to do that. And the other thing that you do consider, even though it's a uh, it's trading from future capital, is if you are if you are looking ahead and thinking it might be a weaker class in 2021 because of everything that's going on and questions about college football season, do you trade from that future capital? The one thing that is actually kind of interesting in that is um, Mark Dominic, former uh, general manager of the Buccaneers, tweeting it, who's on SiriusXM, tweeting out this that he says. I expect this year to be the largest group of players to ever apply for the NFL supplemental draft. And of course the supplemental draft takes place this summer. It's that has been done by a teleconference for a long time. If you take a player in the supplemental draft, say you take a first round supplemental player, you don't have that first round pick the next year and going way back, the Broncos have had some success with this back in 1989, used a supplemental first round pick on Bobby Humphrey, who who was a thousand yard rusher right away out of Alabama for that team that went to Super Bowl twenty four. Yeah, and to me, it's just about getting elite players. Um, you, this year is bursting with wide receiver talent, but for my view, there are about five potential wide receiver ones or high potential wide receiver ones. Of course. Antonio Gandy Golden could end up being a wide receiver one coming out of the fifth round. But I'm talking about high-level elite prospects who figure to be wide receiver ones. I'm seeing about five. So can you wait and potentially get one of those guys? Yes. But if you have a chance at 10 to get the best one, which is Jerry Judy in my opinion, well, you set aside trading up, you set aside Bama, you forget about all of that, and you get a guy who comes in and instantly – makes your offense a level better. Okay, I'm pretty sure that you think three of those guys are Ruggs, Judy, Lamb. Mm -hmm. Would one of the others be, the other five being LaVisca? Mm -hmm. Who's your fifth guy then? Justin Jefferson. Okay, that's uh, fair. 
I think Denzel Mims has the potential, but I just don't see him in that way. So just my personal belief. A lot of people think he's, you know, third even or fourth. And I, I, I think, think I think Mims has the higher ceiling, but Jefferson has the higher floor. I think if Jefferson doesn't work out, he's still a 60 catch, 750 yard guy. I don't think he's going to bust. Yeah, I think Jefferson has a pretty high floor. But Iceman, I think you have great points all around. And and I can't completely disagree uh, with you uh, of the thinking and people that believe, well, why would you trade up? When, like we've said, there, there's many stars and studs in this draft. You can get a starter super late. I understand that. But if you believe, or if you believe the Jerry Judy is incredible and will be incredible, then it's worth it. And your question about, will John break his tradition and draft an Alabama player well he was asked about that yesterday he said why haven't you drafted an Alabama player is there a reason for that and he said it just kind of fell that way there's no real reason obviously we've got a great deal of respect for that program down there that Nick Saban has and the football players that they have and their system it's just kind of fallen that way there's nothing really more to it than that do you guys buy it no I uh, I kind of buy it, but not a hundred percent. I do. I do think that they do look at Alabama players and uh, look at the accumulated uh, wear and tear that they've had, but also, and not only that, but also the fact that uh, they've been coached up very well and where do you take them from there? And I do think some of it is just kind of happenstance and coincidence. But the other thing guys is even if they don't get one of these Alabama receivers, Make sure you keep your eyes on Trayvon Diggs and Xavier McKinney. Those are two guys the Broncos could be looking at on day two. Yep, without those, a doubt. If those guys are there on day two, uh, sign me up. Yeah. Okay, next one's Missouri from Missouri Bronco. Bronco. He says, comment about the bar. The more we are pent up inside, the more I want to pull an all-nighter and drive 650 miles as soon as that bar opens. I got to see everyone. Go DNVR. I <laughs> love to hear it, Missouri Broncos. 650 miles. What? That'll take you. Yeah, you can do that in a night. A long night. Great night. The next night, though. <laughs> if you're awake. Yeah, you'll, it's a you hard drive, it. though. Across Kansas. <laughs> I mean, that, that is some boring territory <laughs> in western Kansas that you got to get through on that trip. That's for sure. Well, if you um, go at night, you don't have to look at it. <laughs> then it's gotta, hypnotic gotta it's, it's like yeah it's kind of like uh, when you're flying a plane and uh, you're flying at night and you're not sure about the horizon oh yikes <laughs> bacon bronco did i get this? is it bacon backin uh, okay Th- there was a ki- there was a kicker for the st louis football cardinals named jim bakken and it was spelled that way bakken so, well, Bakken Bronco chiming in says, out of the top three wide receivers, who is the most captain-like? Could that be the deciding factor between the top three wide receivers? Thanks, guys. Love you. Kind of mixing all of our conversations today right here. Yeah, that, that's actually interesting because um, actually, if you're talking about captain-like, I'm gonna, I, I, I don't think those top three guys are real kind of – but are real – I, are real kind of ideal captains. If I think Justin Jefferson is more captain-like yeah, than I, those three. I agree. I agree with you, Mesa. And uh, now maybe Jerry Judy breaks out of his shell uh, and, and becomes a captain, or Henry Ruggs does, because they were around Tua the entire time at Alabama and learned from him. But also he was clearly the leader. But 
those two guys, you're not bringing them in because of, of their leadership and, and captain abilities. Right? Uh, I mean, Ruggs has a great personality. He's very personable. He's very outgoing. So you'd probably pick him. Um, I don't know quite as much about C.D. Lamb's personality, but I think he has a good personality. Judy just balls, man. He just goes out there. He catches footballs, and he scores touchdowns. Like, that's what he does. You don't need him to be a captain. You just need him to get open. Yeah, Judy he's, could he's not very... a great quote. He's not a great quote. He's a, he's a great pass catcher. He lets his receptions do the talking. I think he could be very similar to Demarius Thomas. Yes. In, in terms mm. of mentality. And okay, so totally. it's not a, we're, when we say this about Judy, we're not bashing him. He's just no. not the leadership type. Yeah. It's, it's just different personality. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's different strokes for different folks. Count Locula. Is there a guy who has actually been mentioned as a possibility who you, you would actually hate the Broncos getting at 15? Hmm. Uh, there's a few that I don't love. That's for sure. I, I don't love CJ Henderson. Um, I don't love the pick of C.J. Henderson. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. I'd, I'd rather wait and get Bryce Hall. I mean, some because, people have, yeah. uh, have mocked Grant Delpit. Yeah, I would hate that. Kenneth Murray I've seen in a couple of mocks out of the linebacker out of Oklahoma. I'd, I'd be intrigued with him if there's, a trade, if there's a trade up back into the end of round one and he's there, even though that's not kind of the primary need, and I think you can – I think you can find some guys uh, later on, but uh, Justin at Jefferson 50, at fifteen that would drive me nuts. Yeah, Je- Jefferson. I think that's sort of a function of how the board is falling. If if the Broncos are sitting there at fifteen and the top three receivers are gone, and the run and the run is happening, I I'd, I'd be okay with Justin Jefferson at fifteen. Je- it would just not feel thrilled, like okay. a it would feel like a letdown just because of all the hype around Judy and Ruggs and everyone kind of agrees that there's a top three, then a drop up. If you trade back and get Justin Jefferson, well, you know, probably a nice little applause for doing the smart thing. It would just feel like a letdown. He's a good player, just a letdown. I, I feel more, a lot more like you drafted a wide receiver too. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like Cortland Sutton can be wide receiver one. He proved that last year. Yeah. You but can I actually would feel, get away with that. Yeah. But I would feel like you missed out on the, on the top guys. And when I say Justin Jefferson has wide receiver one ability, I mean it, but so does Cortland Sutton. You know, it's a lot closer there where I see Jerry Judy as a guy who could come in and have a hundred catches his first year. Yep. And one, that, one more from the count. Who is the Broncos worst First round pick, not named Paxton. <laughs> that's that. That's easy for me. It's, I mean, literally the guy that they drafted and they didn't know what his height was, and that's yeah. Ted Gregory out of Syracuse back in 1988. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, and it, and then he came in and and he was way smaller, right? <laughs> yeah, Dan Reeves said that he was looking down at him. and that's what stunned him when ted gregory walked into the building obviously it was a different time in terms of pre-draft info different time in terms of scouting etc but boy oh boy how do you miss like that how do you not know it was uh yeah they drafted steve atwater they thought they drafted steve atwater and i walked in the door oh (laughs) man by the way on espn2 last night for a little bit i was watching their rebroadcast of the 1989 draft 
when Steve Atwater was taken. And that pick got shredded by even Tom Jackson. Wow. Because they all thought Lewis Oliver out of Florida, who went to the Dolphins, was a better safety than Steve Atwater. Wow. Lewis <laughs> Oliver I, I wasn't think... bad. He was a good player, but he, he wasn't, he wasn't Lumba. I think that Garrett Bowles has to be in this conversation because despite the fact that he's contributed a lot, he may have done more harm than good by being drafted there and having the Broncos stick with him for uh, maybe four years. So you're telling me availability isn't, isn't the best thing ever, Ryan? Sure. I'm not (laughs) guys. I still have the dream of if they pass on tackle early in this draft and just pick a developmental guy of waking up one morning next week and getting wind of the Broncos making a play for Jason Peters on a one-year deal. I think it's still in the cards. Yep. And there are quiet rumors out there that the Broncos are trying to shop Garrett Bowles. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the return would be there. It would be very little. But if that happens, that tells you that they have two plans, not just taking one in the draft because they're not going to tie their hands like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe taking one in the draft and signing a Jason Peters. Yeah, the other, yeah. The, the other thing I think is you're shop you're shopping him, and it's at least in terms of this draft weekend, it's the plan where you say, okay, if we get somebody at his position relatively early in the draft, then like let's say you trade back into round one. Let's say you trade with the 49ers and get pick 31, and you pick an Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, for example. And then you say, okay, fine. We go into day two. We're looking to trade Garrett Bowles for a day three pick, and uh, then pick a. And you can pick anything there. Just you, you pick a somebody that's fallen unexpectedly, and you, you move on with your life. Yeah, you've got to have his replacement before dumping him, though. So, right. next one coming in from Sir James Radio. Day nine of the Jersey Challenge. We kick off the AFC North today with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going with the Bumblebee Throwback, James Connor. I don't care what anyone else says. I love those. Also, this one is really personal to me as I lost my father, a diehard Steelers fan, to esophageal cancer in 2015. This was after watching him beat three other forms of cancer in 15 years. He would always tell people, I have it. It doesn't have me. Seeing James overcome it and not just return, but doing it on the highest level while taking the place of a holdout, holdout bell was such a sight to see. I know my dad would have loved to watch him with his terrible towel in hand chanting, here we go, Steelers, here we go, at the top of his lungs. Man, that's a, that's a cool personal story, Sir James Radio. Mm-hmm. Thanks for telling us that. Yeah, and Connor would be a fantastic option here. Uh, I would probably go Juju. I, just, yeah, I, I like his swagger and the way that he's just unapologetically himself. I would go with either Terrell Edmonds – or uh, T.J. Watt. And I specifically would get the throwback that they wore last year to 1978, which is basically it's the same, it's the same uniform as they have right now, except with uh, block numerals rather than the number font that they currently have. You guys don't want Shamarco Thomas? Mm. I thought you guys were going to be going there because of his connection with the Broncos. Not a big Shamarco Thomas guy. He's wow. not even listed on the roster right now. 
Oh, is he not? Okay. Well, I'm going either J or TJ Watt, pardon me there, or Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm. Uh, of course, a, a, a Bama guy. The other guy <laughs> I think about going with is Alejandro Villanueva. Mm, sure. He's a great story. From Broncology, on Count's comment of who you would bring back to help this year from the past, he wants Champ Bailey. It's not even close. Haven't checked in with you guys in a while. Thanks for the great content as usual. While it might be considered rude in some circles, as someone who paints house for a living, I get paid for cutting in. I'm all for trading up for Judy or Ruggs. Give Drew the weapons. God bless Broncology. Well, and one more point about uh, just making an argument on what John Elway said yesterday for the Broncos drafting a wide receiver is he made it very clear the Broncos are building around Drew. We kind of knew that, but that's the first time he said, you know, we're fully building around Drew right now. Well, you know, of course, an offensive tackle can certainly fit that mold as well, but a wide receiver does as well. He kind of said that at the Combine, though, when he talked about how excited he was about this draft because they, were, they weren't looking for the quarterback anymore. They were looking for guys to kind of help the quarterback and build, and build around him. So I, I heard that, and it kind of flashed, it flashed me back to when he uh, talked to all of us at the Combine, which is the la- might be the last time we see him in person for quite a while here. Yeah, seriously. And, and Broncology, Champ Bailey is a really good oh. one to bring back, of course. That, that, that's a great choice. Uh, TK Freeze, what's up, guys? Happy draft week. Bold prediction, Jeff Akuda will be the third best corner that comes out of this draft. C.J. Henderson and Jalen Johnson both having better careers. I'm seeing RK just shaking his head right now. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? I shouldn't speak in absolutes when it comes to the draft, but I really don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I had a conversation yesterday where I thought, uh, where I said, and I, I stand by this, that Jeff Okuda is miles above any other cornerback in the draft. That to me, there's a huge gap from Jeff Okuda to C.J. Henderson. Yeah, isn't that Jeff pretty Akuda, much what John Elway said yesterday too? Yes, yeah. Jeff Okuda to me walks in and is locked down. Just day one he's your cb1 right away yeah anyway. um, I, I like jalen johnson a lot as a second mm-hmm. day two option I, i'm i'm sticking with bryce hall as my day two guy that's the guy that that's that's the uh the horse i'm gonna ride there and uh, I, and also with bryce hall i know he's really good in zone coverage i i look at bryce hall the, and i went back and watched him for a couple of hours this this past weekend he just looks like somebody who fits what vic fangio wants to do perfectly Mm, yep yep i mean corner corner in day two is really where we could be looking again mm-hmm. i really like uh both bryce hall and Jalen johnson cj henderson just not my guy yeah just, it's just because of where he is if he was considered a day two prospect i probably like him a lot more that that's perfectly fair uh more from tk freeze i know you guys aren't huge fans of cj tackling being an issue i guess i have a feeling his coverage alone will get him drafted higher than expected he'll ball out the nfl level jalen johnson has been my guy from the get-go it just seems to love football and work harder than the opponent also i'm hoping he slips and we can draft him the second round what's your guys bold prediction come draft day well we're gonna have a full show of predictions for the draft tomorrow. So we're going to keep the predictions in the back pocket, but we will have bold predictions. We'll have our official prediction for the Broncos. We'll go through it all tomorrow. It's always one of my favorite shows of the year. Uh, I remember sitting with Zach 
at a bar in Centennial. What is that? College Inn? Is that what it's called? I don't think so. No? That's not what it's called. <laughs> Do you remember the bar we were at? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I, yeah. Yeah. So a couple I, of years ago. I can I imagine it perfectly. Sitting at a bar, doing the pre-show with, with Zach, eating a pub pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I always think fondly about that, that last pod before <laughs> yep. the draft. So I'm excited. Next one coming in from Trade Up for Mooney. Says, Zach, Mace, RK, real talk. When did you know Paxton wasn't it? Thanks. Love y'all. There's still a, tr- a, a draft in the back end of now the DNVR.com. Back then it was BSNDenver.com. It was on the first day of OTAs of Paxton Lynch's second year. And I saw him and I just, I just said he hasn't gotten any better. He hasn't gotten a lick better than where he was last season and I and I started to write the story and I you know I had the lead and it was just gonna be you know it's time to time to give up on Paxton Lynch and then I just realized like ah, there's no point in being this negative we'll just see what happens but I still have the receipts you can see when I first edited it so it was the first day of OTAs year two you know what I think um with me working on the team side at the time obviously there's there's not a receipt of when I felt it because I had to kind of, you know, promote the optimism, promote the hope and all that. But I knew, I knew in Jacksonville, his second start as a rookie and the Broncos won that game, but he had nothing to do with it. But there is a specific throw when he gets outside of the pocket and he looks downfield and as he's setting up, I'm thinking back, okay, this is what he did best at Memphis when he got outside the pocket and looked deep and he made, and he made some amazing throws when he did that in college. And so it's setting up and I'm thinking, okay, here's the chance for him to show what he does best. And then he sets up and throws. And the thing is just a lollipop that just sails endlessly through the air comes down short of the target it gives the def- gives the defenders a chance to readjust and potentially make a play on the ball and I just thought man this was setting up to to allow him to do what he did best and he completely misfired on it and that's when I knew that it was that something was in his head it just wasn't clicking because they because when you're set up to do what you do best and you can't even do that it's just not working out yeah, I, I should say what real quick, Zach. A red flag popped up for me early on in his first camp when someone asked him what's the hardest throw in the NFL, and he said uh, the five-yard in route. <laughs> I I was never a fan of Paxton. When they picked him, I did not like it at, at the beginning. And I remember writing a story in – I think it was the end of May that year. So a month after they drafted him about how Trevor Simeon was this dark horse option that people should pay attention to. Of course and you did. Of course I did. And then <laughs> I, I just, I remember like a couple of days after writing that thinking, wait, this team has a first round quarterback on their team. Why in the world am I even thinking about a seventh round guy potentially starting and it was like, wow, that because there's just there's just nothing to him. And then when when I 
you know, all through training camp, I felt the exact same way. But then a specific moment is when Trevor got hurt in that Bucks game week four. Maybe some people, I'm sure a lot of people were excited to see what Paxson could do. I thought it was terrible that he had to enter the game. Uh, I, I never rooted against Paxton. I just never had any confidence in him. Yeah. They had two first round picks, by the way, back then, Zach. Don't forget uh, yes, the Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a bad pick from the start. I, I was pounding the table for Dak Prescott the entire yeah. process. And I really think if the Broncos drafted Dak Prescott that year, they would have been a Super Bowl contender. I don't think you're wrong. And I thought, okay, Paxton Lynch, he fell through the first round. Value-wise, it's, it's fine. But there was deep in my heart, I was disappointed that they were out of the Dak Prescott sweepstakes because I did like him. When it came right down to it, I did like him a lot better than I did Paxton Lynch. It's unbelievable I mean, to me how much people just overthink these, these players who are ballers in college. You ballers know? and leaders. I mean – I remember watching Mississippi State when he was there. Uh, Dak, man, Dak carried that team. Oh, yeah. Same oh, way Russell Wilson was. Yeah. Same way Deshaun Watson was, even though he's a first-round pick. You know, you just see these certain characteristics of guys who just carry teams. Everyone's looking at them. They're scoring touchdowns. They're fist-pumping. They're rallying the troops. Like, it, it should be so obvious, and somehow these guys just keep slipping. Do you it's remember like, the ridiculous uh, narrative that year, by the way, RK? Uh, sorry, Zach, that Dak Prescott was like Tim Tebow. Yep. I, I, I spent so much time pre-draft that year trying to shoot that down because it was the, because anyone who said that never watched Dak Prescott play. Right. And all of this just reminds me of a tweet that I saw this morning and I'm sorry, I don't remember who said it, but said if a team passes on Tua and drafts Justin Herbert ahead of him, it's because of the the slight or because of the injury concerns. It's like ordering a McDonald's hamburger and passing up on a steak from a steakhouse because the steak may be slightly overcooked. I like that because yeah. to, no offense to Justin Herbert, but to uh, yeah, he has the injury concerns, but he also has the it factor. He has it. I don't yep. see it from Justin Herbert. Yeah, yeah. So All it's right. just overthinking. All right, Zach. Did you read the little note on this comment? I'll I'll do the words. You get the beeps. Got it. <laughs> All right. Get a load of this beep bowl beep. So the draft is Friday morning in Australia. That's fine. We're used to getting beep by the time difference. Hell, I've built a mother beep lifestyle around it. But this week, my beep of a boss dropped a meeting invite in my diary for what time 10 a.m oh until when 11 30 a.m yep that's basically picks one two 20 so while i'm meant to be getting warped on beers mid-morning while working from home my boss has royally me so happy to be employed in the great stable business with a stable job, but me. This bloke is making it hard to be grateful. So here's my football question. <laughs> What's more likely, Broncos trade with the Jags for pick nine or Broncos trade with the 49ers for pick 31? Mm, 31. 31. Definitely. I'd say nine. 
I will say 31 because it's not 10. If this was pick number 10, I would say pick 10. Uh, but right now, I guess I haven't heard anything about the pick nine specifically. So I'll go with 31 because I know that relationship with John. Exactly. When given the option of two choices here, and one of them involves a John Elway, John Lynch trade, that's the horse I'm riding. Bronco yep. Superfan says, former Bronco to bring back has to be Gary Zimmerman. Gold jacket left tackle. Not only does he protect Drew Locke, but he is also a leader and teacher for the offensive line. Uh, yeah, I mean, Zim's great. We kind of overlooked him a little bit yesterday. I guess just because we're in modern times, we're thinking of modern players. Okay, right. so I didn't listen. Is it In terms of the former Bronco that you can bring back, is this anyone or are you not including quarterbacks? Yeah, non-quarterbacks. Okay. Yeah, Zim, I would also, if, if I could choose like a player in a year, get, I, I'd also think about Ryan Clady, 09. That's, That's what we what said. We said. Peak, <laughs> peak, peak Ryan Clady, 08, 09, in my opinion, is the best left tackle this team ever had. Wow. No, I thought Mace was, I thought Mace was going to be the one disagreeing with us. So now oh. I feel more comfortable about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Champ Bailey is a great option as well, but again, I just don't think the defense is what needs help here. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, Bronco land. Broncoland or is it Broncoland or Broncoland? Yeah. Yeah, Broncoland, Bronco something yeah since i live in a state that legalized online sports betting i wanted to make the draft more interesting by placing a couple bets my only two bets that are not favored to happen are rugs being drafted before judy plus 180 and that Worfs will be the first tackle taken plus 350 Whoa. which one do you feel more comfortable with i just took thursday and friday off for the draft so i can't wait to drink some breck brews and watch it with no distractions wow. e- even though i think the giants should take isaiah simmons and run and run away and be happy with that. I think there's real fire to the smoke about uh, Dave Gettleman really loving what he sees in Tristan Wirfs. I'm going to have to go get some action because plus 350 on Wirfs mm-hmm. being the first tackle taken is juicy. He's the best tackle in my opinion. Yeah, that yeah. that is very juicy. Oh man, we're going to we're we're like a week shy of that sports betting opening in Colorado, a week shy of the draft, that is. Yes, and when that happens, it'll be the first sports bet I've ever placed in my life. Good, uh, Ryan. I'm glad to hear. <laughs> oh, he's, he's oh, okay. So the next one's from Broncos Superfam. Former Bronco. Oh, I skipped that one. Sorry, guys. Triad Bronco. Hey, y'all. So this may have already been covered, but how can I watch and listen to y'all's drafts coverage? I don't have any social media, and I'm not great with technology. So I'd appreciate if you give me the four dummies rundown on how I can follow your draft coverage on my phone. Thanks. I'll see myself out. Okay. So the easiest way to do this would be to either download Periscope on your phone or download Twitch on your phone. Two options there. Those are probably the two most user-friendly options here. You won't have to download Twitter or any other social media. But you download Periscope or Twitch and then just search for the account DNVR Sports. Um, Periscope would probably be the easiest one. And when we go live about 30 minutes before the draft begins, then You'll see it right there pop up on your feed or you just search for DNVR Sports again and click it. Those are probably the two easiest ones. You can follow on YouTube 
uh, using their live feature, but it's just not quite as user-friendly as some of these other ones. So but that would be my advice to you. Facebook Live also, I'm sure you, uh, he said no social media. But those are the platforms we're using. Uh, Periscope, which streams directly to Twitter. Uh, Twitch, which is our big new platform that if you guys haven't checked out, it's pretty cool. YouTube Live, Facebook Live, any of those places. Go there about 5.30 before the draft starts, and you'll be able to tune in to everything that we're doing. Boom, exactly. Next one coming in from G Ham Chill. I, I think the Wonderlick may be a tad outdated. I think a better test would be one that players need to study for. How would this be administered? No idea. Someone much smarter than myself would come up with all of that. But giving a test that these guys need to study for would be more beneficial in showing their preparation, work ethic, and ability to pick up on information quickly. That is exactly what the Wonderlick is. Yeah, it, it, the guys prepare for it. Now, the thing is they can't prepare for the exact questions and I think that's one thing where I, w- I would say uh, the Wonderlick still kind of helps, but there are other tests that I think uh, can accomplish that better without being something you study for. Part of the reason why they don't, they, they don't want something where you can study and know the topics is they want to get a, a sense of a player's problem-solving ability in the moment, the ability to quickly process and apply information in the moment. And so if they studied for a test, like like kind of like taking a history exam where you've studied the material over the course of a couple of months and then you take the test, that wouldn't reveal, I think, what they're trying to get to. What they're looking for is kind of quick recognition, quick problem-solving ability in that. And that's one of the reasons why they stick with the Wonderlick, even though I think it's outdated and there are better ways to do it. It may be outdated, but it's not – it's not the end all be all of anything. They're just trying to find out how can you, you know, how quick do you think on your feet when it comes to these type of problem solving questions? Yeah. They want to make sure that when you're lined up wide right before the snap, can you figure out what time train B entered the station? If it left at four thirty-five, when train A left 17 minutes before and went five minutes or five miles per hour faster. Can you figure that out? That's the importance of the Wonderlick. Next one from McCaffrey Natick. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, guys. On the topic of non-quarterback, former Bronco and... Oh, we lost Zach. All right. Uh, I want, want you to pick it up then? Yeah, yeah or yeah, you can go ahead and pick okay. it up. Okay. On the topic of a non-quarterback, former Bronco in their prime, how was the name Shannon Sharp not even mentioned? It Imagine was. Sh- Okay. <laughs> I said then, I thought long and hard about Shannon Sharp, but because you have Noah Fant, I think you can address a different need. Yeah, I, I'm kind of there with you because at that point you're saying, all right, where can we get the biggest upgrade at a position? And yeah, exactly. it's a tackle. Exactly. Imagine Sharp and Fant. At that point, you don't even need a wide receiver. Cortland's just icing on the cake. Talk about a dynamic duo of absolute beasts. You guys mentioned wide receivers not having enough positional value, but tight ends bring more value to the run game typically, right? We know Fant can thrive in the second fiddle role like at Iowa. Well, Fant was really the first fiddle for most of his career at Iowa, except for probably the last eight games or maybe six games. But, I mean, you're right there. Like, you could create a Gronk and Aaron Hernandez type of situation without any murderers. Um, <laughs> by bringing in Shannon Low Sharp, to clear. <laughs> and, yeah, Shannon Sharp, and Noah Fan. I mean, that would be 
it's a good point. It, it's an option. The goal is for me was just to try to plug a big hole. When if you need to plug a big hole, Denver Rubber Company probably has something made out of rubber that you could shove in there. <laughs> Denver Rubber Company, most reliable local partner since 1972 for all of your custom rubber projects, whether it's die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, contract manufacturing, custom hoses. It's whatever you need. And why not get ready for the next snow season right now or the next snow that could come this season right now by hitting up Denver Rubber Company to get your snowplow all nice and ready. So hit them up, 1-800-259-0010 or drcfirst.com slash dnvr. We got Zach back. Nice to have you. Yeah, I think my enthusiasm and excitement in that question may have uh, broken the internet right there. Next one coming in from LDJ. Community is defined as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. We are all Broncos country in here. Number one, but who cares enough to have conversations outside of football? I appreciate the compassion shown. I want to leave my socials. A-R-K-M-A-N-Z is is his name on Instagram. That's the best place to follow and DM me. And I'm also on Twitter, same name, but barely um, I'm down to talk football, music, or just how to make the world a better place for us, but I appreciate you all and am truly grateful. So I decided I'm good with the trade up, but in conjunction with Judy being there at 10, Jags threw a curveball with us with intentions of taking a wide receiver high. So I don't know, but if he's there, let's do it. However, and this is a big however, hedge your bets, Elway. I'm happy we got Drew. I'm happy with how we got Dalton but we are pretty much done drafting after day two and our depth suffered. It was obvious in the preseason, just how abysmal our depth was. We can't take that risk. So if you're going to trade up for G- and get Judy, get the Simmons contract done, free up cap space and sign at least Prince of Mukamara, if not Jason Peters as well. That's the only thing that makes sense. I think Judy LaVisca and Tyler Biotish or Matt Hennessy are Broncos and hopefully Davion Taylor but for that to happen, we're going to have a lot of picks. So Elway needs to fill the holes elsewhere. I pray he does. Uh, great stuff, LDJ. Yeah, um, a lot of I good think stuff. he's right. And John Elway did say yesterday they were in active negotiations with Justin Simmons. So hopefully they can get that done. And like LDJ kind of mentioned in passing there, there's a way you could get that done that will actually free up cap space for this season for you. Yep, yeah, exactly. Enough to sign one of those guys, Amukamara or uh, Jason Peters. All right, Vic Fangio sweater says, "RK, would you rather have a gold jacket or a green jacket?" And to <laughs> me, this is so obvious and easy. It's not even a real question. Give me the green jacket ten times over before I ever even consider going for the gold jacket. Is it because now, it's a more yeah. elite club? Not exactly, yeah. because if you're a – well, I mean, it's a – how many members of Augusta National Golf Club are there? Not Because if you're many. a member, you get a green jacket. Oh, well, really? we're talking about I was just talking about winning. Jacket <laughs> Wait, so – winning the Masters. All, so everyone who's a member of the club – so Roger Goodell is a member of Augusta National. You're saying his green jacket isn't real? Yes, it is a fake I actually, green jacket. I didn't know that. I thought it was just the winners. I didn't know everyone who was no, a member got one. It, every member gets so a green I jacket. Think the way it started was if you won the tournament, you got a membership, which is why you got the green jacket. That was like a big reward at some point. 
Um, now, obviously, all these guys could afford to be a member of whatever club they want. But to me, yeah, I don't want that fake green jacket. I'm talking about – and honestly, even if that was an option, I might just take being a member at Augusta over being an NFL Hall of Famer. <laughs> but uh, I, want okay. the green, I want the green jacket because not only is, you know, golf a more fun sport to play for me, uh, it didn't take 10 years of wear and tear on my body and, and my brain to earn it. I just went out there and, and shot a hell of a round of golf for four days straight. Okay. There are 300, as of last year, it'll increase this year, obviously, but after the 2019 class, there were 326 members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are approximately 300 members of the Augusta National Golf Club wow. at any time. So it's pretty comparable in terms of uh, exclusivity. Yes, exclusivity. Yeah, I just want the one that uh, churns just as much, if not more, money for me, and does less wear and tear on my body. And you get to play at Augusta the rest of your life. Yep. Or you you could win the uh, you could win the Heritage Classic down at uh, Harbor Town. You could get a a red plaid jacket. Mm, I'll go with or, the green. I wonder if you have a gold jacket. If that'll make it very easy to get a green jacket. Maybe if you get the uh, gold jacket that Happy Gilmore got. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, at that point, he's won a major. He's won the, the tour championship. And that he, you know, he would have been in position to win the Masters at some point. <laughs> From bleed orange, blue. It would be great to get one of the three wide receivers in the first round. However, how much separation is there from the top-tier wide receivers to the second-tier wide receivers? I keep hearing that this is the deepest wide receiver in class, but there isn't the superstar like Julio Jones, Megatron, etc. I would rather have a wideout like Judy than one like Ruggs. Ruggs remind me of Tavon Austin, and that backfired when the St. Louis Rams traded up to pick eight to snag him. Austin probably wasn't a fit in a pro-style offense at West Virginia, but he uh, was a gadget wide receiver with speed. Kind of like Elway, uh, kind of like if Elway does trade up, he needs to get the best left tackle in the draft. I don't trust Gumballs as a starter. The games are won in the trenches. And there was a rumor uh, sometime last week, and I, again, I don't remember from who, saying that the Broncos were looking to trade up for an offensive tackle. So now we've heard the Broncos are looking to trade up for both a receiver and an offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a superstar, at least one like Megatron, Julio Jones. I think that's what Jerry Judy is. I think he's the next NFL superstar at wide receiver. Now, he's not the uh, physical specimen that these guys are, but he moves in a way like no one else does. And we talked about this on TDSP this week. You know, the first sign to me of a superstar is when it just looks different. The way they do things looks different. The, the one I've been using the most this year is Kale McCarr. When he plays hockey, just looks – doesn't. no one else – does it the way that he does it it just looks different and when we watched the michael jordan documentary the other night that came up again there just aren't guys who look like michael jordan in the way they play you know there's clips of kobe doing things that sort of looks like michael but he had a smoother more um, swaggy style than mike had so to me jerry judy has that factor the he, no one looks like him when they do it factor and that's superstar potential I totally, totally agree. Uh, next one coming in from the other Ryan. 
Hey, fellas, as we are on the cusp of the 2020 NFL draft and discussing players we favor and disfavor for the Broncos to select, I was wondering which unheralded past or present Bronco or NFL player is a favorite of yours. For me, it's Corel Buckhalter. I really liked his running style, ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, his vision and decisiveness. Who is a potential unheralded or less talked about player in this year's draft that you would like the Broncos to select? Mine is Tyler Johnson, wide receiver from Minnesota. I watched Johnson play in college, and he has just and, and he just has football player written all over him. His performance against Auburn in the Outback Bowl just solidified my opinion of him. I think that Johnson would be one of the steals of this year's draft, and would fit perfectly well in Pat Shermer's offense with the Pittsburgh Steelers penchant for being successful in their scouting and selection of wide receivers. I have a sneaking suspicion that Johnson will be wearing black and gold in 2020. Thank you, RK, Zach, and Mace for your continued coverage and the great material that you individually and collectively produce. I leave you with another quote, which is fitting for making the most of each day and also preparing for the draft. For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest of these it might have been. John Greenleaf Whitt Whittier. <laughs> go Broncos and go DNVR. That's some you, deep philosophy there. You butchered it a little bit. I did? Yeah. Oh. It was, for all the sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these. It might have, might been. have been. Oh. But I it was written right. Said. So, <laughs> uh, the, guy I, you know, the guy I like, it's another receiver, um, Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. And... It's not that he does any one thing especially well, a very productive receiver, but this is somebody who in terms of leadership, character, and just as a football player uh, is off the charts. If you recall via the Belk Bowl back in December, and he got pressed into service at quarterback for Kentucky against Virginia Tech. And because of that, he's not much of a passer. So he's doing option. He's taking off and running it. It's not something that's, that's natural to him, but he's keeping him in it. And then finally they get in the red zone on the last drive and uh, Tech is playing run, 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 because that's all Kentucky's doing. And he crosses him up and he throws a touchdown pass to win the game. But the way he just led that team in an adverse circumstance, the way everyone rallied around him, the leadership that he showed, watching him in that game, I thought, boy, this is somebody who – checks off a lot of those afford the boxes in the aforementioned template character wise of what the Broncos are looking for. Huh. There's a couple of good options here. Obviously I'll go with a guy like Davion Taylor out of CU, who I think has a chance to really contribute in a lot of different ways in the NFL. Uh, a guy who's rising up draft boards here late in the process is Logan Wilson, the linebacker out of uh, Wyoming, who there's a report today that he could even go in the first round. I mean, this is a guy who, whoa, when this whole process started, we're talking, you know, we're talking about a fifth round steal, maybe, and then he moves up into the third round at some point. And now there's actual buzz that one GM said he's better than Leighton Vanderesh coming out of Boise. Man, that's bold. And I'm not sure he's good enough in coverage to where I'd be talking about picking him in round one. I mean, I've liked, I, I would have been fine with him in, in, day two in the third round kind of like you mentioned rk first round feels too high for him but that's just me i'm with you but i mean what a rise for him so mm -hmm. a couple of guys that i like there obviously if the broncos get davion taylor that uh would be three years in a row adding a buff to the squad and that would make me happy
I think he's going to rise, whether it's on the Broncos board or somewhere. His name's been hot as of recent. Next one coming in from Super Bowl. And in response to the question of which player you would want to pick to have on the Broncos current roster during their prime, champ, no questions about it. I know cornerback isn't a huge need, but that would be lethal. I saw something that said the Broncos could move up, move down, or stay where they are. Can you guys verify this? Uh, can confirm. <laughs> From Bronco Nugs, do you guys think John went to Drew at all and asked him who he likes and who he thinks would fit him? John said he wants to draft around Drew. If I'm John, I say, Drew, give me a list of your favorite draft prospects that will fit you. Then take that and compare it to my board thoughts. Yeah. Uh, no. This doesn't happen. Maybe if it's Peyton Manning, yes. but – not uh, and Drew as Locke. we know from Cody Latimer, that didn't happen either. <laughs> and also, if he went to Drew Locke and said, hey, who would you like? Uh, wouldn't he say his old uh, tight end from uh, Mizzou, Alberto? Yeah, I think, think. I think you're asking a lot of Drew Locke to go scout the, all the wide receivers. But, heck, he's probably got time on his hands. I would do it if I were the general manager just to have more information. But in the end, it's not his job. Yeah, uh, Drew told John, yeah, I want Albert O, and John said, great, I got you, Nick Vanette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from Denveria, hey, guys, at what time will your draft coverage start? It's a bit too late for me and my fellow Europeans being eight hours behind you, but it never hurts, right? Come on, Denveria. You know, a couple days a year, you got to stay up late. You do it during the season. Do it for the draft, too. Our coverage starts at 5.30 Mountain Time on Thursday, 4.30 Mountain Time on Friday. So 1.30 a.m. European yeah. time. So if you do it during the season, that means you're doing it more than just a couple of days over the course of the year, though. I mean, if we're talking under 20 days a year, you can pull it off. <laughs> we have faith in you. Montana Bronco. Okay, guys. From these quarterbacks taken last year, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, which is the first, if any, in your opinion, to one, win the Super Bowl, two, make the Pro Bowl, three, have the longest career, four, be the first traded, and five, have the shortest career. Happy draft week. One, two, right, and three, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. Yes. <laughs> wow, disrespect thrown Drew Locke's way from No, it's end. just that Kyler is, is that good, and they're putting pieces around I, him. The one thing I, I actually will say, though, is – I think Drew Locke is the first in the playoffs. That wasn't an option here, but I think he's the first in the in the postseason. So I think Drew's the first one to win a Super Bowl. I, I think. Let me just clarify that I was being facetious. But go ahead. <laughs> Kyler, I believe, is the first one to make the Pro Bowl. That could happen this year. Mm-hmm. Longest career. Oh boy, I think Daniel Jones will be around for a long time, but I think Drew Locke will as well. First to be traded. Dwayne Haskins. Haskins? Yeah. And the shortest career, Haskins. Okay. Let me do this for real. Win the Super Bowl, Drew Locke. Make the Pro Bowl, Kyler Murray. Longest career, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. If you think Drew Locke is going to win the Super Bowl, then you're saying he's going to have a long career barring injury. Yep. Uh, I was kind of just thinking about injury-prone guys, just yeah. making sure there wasn't anyone who's like an Iron Man here. Um, be the first traded Dwayne Haskins, have the shortest career Gardner mentioned. Yeah, I think Haskins, if he if Ron Rivera doesn't take to him, I think they'll trade him and he'll he'll get a look somewhere else. 
Maybe yeah. that would be that would be two coaching staffs that have uh, not been too hot on him. All right, from Thick Fangio, I finally got my Marie Sharp sauces, and oh my lanta! Twenty-four hours later, and I still feel a slight burning in my throat. I've been living such an impoverished life. Thank you, RK, for opening my eyes. <laughs> I'm glad someone brought the cereal debate up again. I think it's time if all of us put our differences aside. Whether we're team milk before cereal, cereal before milk, eat it soggy, eat it dry, or what the weird thing the Kings goalie does, I just recently learned that people put ice cubes in their cereal. <laughs> Can we all agree that this is atrocious? Well, first of all, on your Marie Sharp sauces, welcome to the club. They're hot, but I mean, 24 hours of burning. Got to up that, uh, got to up your tolerance a little bit. That sounds miserable. I will never be eating those. As for putting ice in cereal, uh, I believe that's a felony in at least 21 states. That's that's terrible. That's terrible. Ice in milk is bad enough, but in cereal, I didn't think that there could be anything as bad. Isn't it weird that it's kind of weird to drink milk on ice, but it suddenly doesn't become weird if you just add a little bit of coffee to it? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like you could add one, you could have a full glass of milk full of ice. That's weird. You add one shot of espresso into it. Now that's it's normal. just a latte. <laughs> Dang, that's a really good point. Never thought about that before. <laughs> Jazzy Bronco says another name for for the bring back would be Tom Nalen. Having him at center would be a huge for Drew and improve the interior line so much that we would only have to worry about tackle from an offensive line perspective in the draft. With the differences in the draft process this year, the importance of the all-team scouting department is magnified, especially in the back end of the draft. How would you rate our scouting department? Is it a top five group, top 10, middle of the pack? Or no wonder we can't get to the playoffs. Who are a few other teams with the top scouting staff? I have no clue. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can just go around and look at the teams who are good. Those are the teams with good scouting staffs. Yep, and That's teams a- that, uh, that typically have guys plucked from it often. Yeah, I mean, you. it really comes down to a combination of multiple things. Do you have the scouting staff to get them, the coaching staff to develop them, and the front office to keep them. If you do those three things well, you are a Super Bowl contender. Yep, exactly. Broncos for Life 58 says, at the count, if I could bring back any Broncos great right now in their prime to best help the team I'm picking, Wes Welker. Could you imagine drafting Judy, having him and Sutton on the outside, Welker lined up in the slot, a tight end with wideout speed and fan, Phil Gordon and any man Drew. You give them a college-level offensive line, and the offense is still top 10. It's intriguing. I'll, I'll give you that. And you're obviously getting Wes Welker pre-Broncos, so his ultimate prime. Um, I mean, there's a lot of options here where if you add a Hall of Famer to the team, you get a lot better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from Pig Tosser 66. Great Xbox story, RK. I definitely was picturing Ralphie on his quest for that Red Rider BB gun. Really sure. hoping Elway doesn't shoot his damn eye out and nails this draft. I was a rugs guy when the process started, and I'm still a rugs guy. Now only a few days from the draft, but I have come around to liking some other options thanks to you guys and talking with some of the crew in the lounge. 
glad the wait is almost over and I'm stoked for what you guys have in store for Thursday night. Thanks for continuing to raise the bar and making this community what it is. That's all from me today. Be sure to drive your oval team. Rink. Reading is tough for you today. <laughs> oh, be sure to drink. Yeah, reading's tough, guys. You ever see a Christmas story, Zach? <laughs> no. Okay. It's, anyone who's seen it would, would know that there's there, there's scene in there where uh, young Ralphie Parker is uh, trying to use the decoder that he sent off for, and it's supposed to be like a secret message from little orphan Annie back in the 40s, and the message is, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. He's like, Ovaltine? A crummy commercial? Son of a... Yeah, I said drive, didn't I? Mace, cold Ovaltine or warm Ovaltine? Ooh, you know, I like cold Ovaltine. Me too. Yeah, not that warm is bad, but yeah, cold, it's got that chocolate milk quality, except with a little bit of malt. I like it. Yeah, give me cold any day. Yeah, me too. In the end, it comes down to me. I like every drink cold. No matter what it is, I want it cold. I've never heard of Ovaltine. Maybe that's why I thought it was drive. Yes, I think that uh, hurt (laughs) your context there. Uh, Ovaltine, essentially, Zach, is like chocolate milk mix, but Mm. with malt in it. Oh, okay. So instead of a milkshake, it's you got a malted shake. Exactly. It's, ah, I love it. And real quick, he mentioned the lounge. And I know that there are hundreds of you listening to this podcast right now who are members of DNVR who have not signed up for the lounge. And I just can't co- possibly comprehend why. Make sure you go find uh, your code. And if you can't find it, Make sure you email help at thednvr.com to get your access into the lounge. It is awesome. I mean, we're talking about just 24-7 Broncos discussion or Denver sports discussion, whatever you need. It's it's the home to hang out on the internet for Denver sports fans, and it's really cool. So you can come and go as you please and uh, enter the conversation. It's really, really fun. Next one coming in from Texas Bronco. Hey guys, finally stopped freeloading and decided to invest in my favorite Broncos podcast out there with an annual membership after moving to Highlands Ranch just before Hold on, high school. Really quick, I want to try something out here. Can you just say that one more time? What did he do? He got an annual membership. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Hey! After moving to Highlands Ranch just before high school, I was converted and now bleed orange and blue in heavy cowboy territory. My parents still live in the ranch, and I look forward to coming back to visit the DNVR bar the first chance I get. Do you guys think that the, co- the constant news of the Broncos going to trade up for Judy is any sort of smokescreen? My personal theory is they want to trade up, but for rugs. Coming out and stating it is for Judy may make someone else try to jump them and get Judy at 8 or 9, pushing rugs to 10, where the Broncos have talked with the Browns extensively. I will be extremely happy with either. Just seems a bit brash to specifically name who they're trying to get. Thanks for all you do, and go Broncos, Texas Bronco. Well, thanks, Texas Bronco, for joining us and allowing me to uh, experiment with my new toy that I have over here. (laughs) All right, moving on here from Micah Pexa. As Einstein supposedly said, Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. This refers to the concept of multiple intelligences. 
being book smart or academic is just one form of intelligence. Some people have mechanical intelligence, other artistic intelligence, and still others have athletic and physical intelligence. Jerry Judy may not have the type of intelligence that allows him to excel on the Wonderlick test, but from all accounts, he's an amazing athlete and wide receiver. Clearly, he is highly intelligent when it comes to athletics and knowing that uh, and knowing what he should do and how to best do it. He is not being asked to write papers and take tests. He is a fish and he's being asked to swim. Don't waste your time worrying about his tree climbing abilities. Yeah, I'm not concerned about Jerry Judy's Wonderlick at all. I mean, when you watch him you know, running triple moves out on the field and coming in and out of these breaks and running extremely complex routes, you're thinking this is not a guy who struggles with comprehending what he's being asked to do. You know, he is not, if you watch, he's being asked to run some of the most complex routes you can, like routes that would make Chris Harris Jr. say uh, they're unguardable. So there's no way that he struggles with comprehending uh, football when it comes to running routes, which is what he does. You're right. He's a fish. He's being asked to swim, and he is one hell of a swimmer. Well, and the good news is, is he's not here to play school when the Broncos draft him. He's here to play football. Absolutely. And- All right. Last one here from VR, though. With how aggressive the Falcons are reported to be and their interest in Kinlaw and Henderson, they are our best friends. I'm hoping they trade with the Jets and take one of the tackles or one of the wide receiver teams out of the market and we can stay put at 15. I personally am not a huge fan of trading up, but would enjoy sniping the Raiders if they were potentially interested in Judy or Ruggs. The NFL draft is a huge reason why I became such a passionate football fan, and I have loved the DNVR coverage during these difficult past few months. Keep it up. Well, that means so much. We're so happy that you're rolling with us, VR, though. And, uh, yeah, I mean, whew. Guys, we are we are 48 hours away from this draft and our live draft coverage kicking off. I can't wait. I cannot wait. We've got one more podcast tomorrow before draft day, and it's going to be a fun, fun podcast. So make sure you tune in with us tomorrow as we make our official predictions for who the Broncos will select at 15 or maybe above that. Regardless, we cannot wait to have you, and we can't wait to show you our coverage that we have planned for the draft. So Thanks for sticking with us, and we will talk to you soon.
Hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.